Good, good. Ready for some word today? If you have your Bible or your Bibles on your devices, find the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I started a new series a couple weeks ago called A Whole New World. And it's based on this passage here, so let's read it again. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then I'll remind you of the easy-to-read version of verse 17. When anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how he, the translators used my title in their translation? <laughs> it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new. Praise God. This is what we're, uh, what we're focusing on in this series uh, old things gone, everything new, whole new world, and helping us to have an understanding of what it really means to be in Christ, what it means to, uh, to be saved uh, more than I'm going to heaven and my sins are forgiven. And, and to, with too many Christians, that's the limitation of their salvation. I'm just the same, but just forgiven. <laughs> salvation is so much bigger than that. Yeah. And this is what, what we want you to understand. Now, if if you're here and you're not yet in Christ or even know what being in Christ means or how you get there, just stay with us. And this, uh, what I, the, the pictures that I paint, I hope they'll be your future, even if they're not your present. But for many of us who've already come into relationship with God, uh, one of the best things we could do is, is wrap our minds around the magnitude and significance of that instantaneous event that took place when you were born again, okay? It is so much bigger than the average person realizes. Now, last week, we were focusing on uh, how bad we were before we came to the Lord. Uh, And that's a real important revelation because we can't think, oh, I was mostly good and then Jesus saved me. Not by his definition, not by the standard of God, you were super bad, (laughs) really, really messed up, every single one of us. And then we came to the Lord, and the opposite now is true. And people miss both sides of this revelation. They think they were fine before, and now they get saved, and they think they're a rascal. They think, ah, now I'm just a no good, good for nothing, can't do anything right. And, and that's, again, the opposite. We were really bad, far from God. Now we are really good, amazingly changed, and tight with him. Okay, and, and this, this understanding of this revelation is very, very important. There's been a complete reversal in Christ, absolute 180. We are 100% different than we used to be, praise God. Now, I realize outwardly speaking, um, uh, that's not always observable in that same degree. Outwardly speaking, that takes uh, sometimes a period of, Time and it's renewing the mind and so forth. Uh, but yet I've heard even, uh, was this hearing a testimony, I think just this week, of someone who, uh, who actually attended our Bible college and they said immediately, they went to work 
and their, their superiors immediately noticed a change. Just, I mean, immediately. I don't know if that was just days or first week or, or what, but they saw a change in them outwardly. That's really our goal. The inward change is reality. It's instant. It's 100% complete. The outward change is what we want, which is why we teach this. Say, if this is true, why even bother explaining it? Because we have to get what's here up here, right? Then the outward change tries to, you know, catch up with the inward change. Everybody with me today? And so we need to identify with these spiritual conditions. It's not just a theology to agree with or disagree with. This is reality. Amen. Amen. So say it out loud. Say, I am a new creation in Christ. I'm not who I used to be. Yeah. This is what we want to sink down deeply into our hearts. Okay. Uh, pilots, new pilots are, are taught um, and warned about hazardous beliefs, hazardous attitudes uh, uh, in regards to flying. One of them is the attitude of invulnerability. Okay, It's the idea that bad things happen to other people, but they can't ever happen to me. I mean, no, you don't want your pilot to think that way. Well, well, what's the result? Often they'll be more reckless. They'll take chances. They'll do things that are unsafe because they think, ah, I'm never going to get in an accident. And what you want, what we all want is them to uh, embrace the reality that gravity works for everybody. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and these things are important to, to remember. They have to embrace these things on, on a personal level. All right, This works with uh, blessings too. Um, we need to apply them personally. Apply truth personally. Don't let what I'm teaching and what I'm uh, sharing from the Word of God just be, I don't know, theoretical in nature. Let it just exist. Hey, that was a nice message. It has to resonate with us individually on a personal level. Truth must be embraced uh, very practically, okay? It's the application of this truth that makes it work. Everybody with me today? Yeah. I, I just don't want anyone to do this, and I know people, if you've been in church for very long, you've probably done this before. I've probably done this before, right? We just let things kind of go in and out, and hey, yeah, that was good, amen, and we're not opposed to it. We don't have a bad attitude towards it, but we don't meditate on it. We don't embrace it as, yes, that's me. We don't let it touch us deep enough. And I want it to, to be that level with us, and application will make this work for us. Uh, J.B. Phillips' translation of that same verse, 517, for if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Come on. He's saying we don't have a past. Do you have a past? No. No. It would be like if you go to the hospital and you see where the babies are in the nursery when they're first born and, and, uh, and you see someone looking in through the window and looking at those babies and saying, you dirty thing. You, you need a spanking. 
you. <laughs> no, you never see that. Why, why, why wouldn't you ever criticize these brand new babies? Well, they've never done anything, <laughs> right? They, they don't have any past. But that's true spiritually for the person in Christ. Everything's new. We don't have a past. Amen. And I know the, the thought goes to some who are believers who say, yeah, I know that was true then, but I've been saved for a while and I've created a new past. <laughs> and we're going to see how these same truths apply afresh and anew continually to the person in Christ. We're not building a sinful past. God is not storing things up, holding them against us. Praise God. Now, a popular verse uh, from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 is the one about righteousness, where he said in chapter 5 and verse 8, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Notice what it doesn't say. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will remain unrighteous, will remain sinners, will remain without this very noble desire that they have. You can want it, but you'll never get it. You can desire it and hunger and thirst for it, but I'm going to keep it away from you so you remain a rascal all the days of your life, and I want you to remember it. No, that's not what the Lord said. He said, these people who want this, they are blessed. That is a blessed attitude, desire, hunger, okay? And what happens to those who have it? They get what they want. They get what they're seeking. They are filled with it, filled with righteousness. Praise God. This is a noble desire, to be filled with righteousness. Now understand, uh, desiring righteousness is not the same as I'm desiring for my position to be acknowledged as being right. I want to prove to everybody that I'm right and they're wrong. I'm doing this verse. I hunger after righteousness. Well, that's hungering after your own righteousness that originates with you in your thoughts, in your positions. We're not trying to make our position right. We're seeking to exalt truth, all right? Because if, we're, if that's our mentality, if our hunger is, I want rightness, I want truth, I pursue, I desire what is right, then I will be ready to make any adaptations necessary in my own life to achieve that. Everybody with me? My hunger is not for everyone to say, you're right. My hunger is to be right. To, in other words, to take my wrongness and make adaptations so I enter into God's righteousness. This is a righteousness of thinking it is uh, whatever I need to do, if I need to redefine it in my mind, because truth is a standard that doesn't change. And I'm doing whatever I can to get to that. Everybody with me? Pride is a big hindrance. My way, the way I've known it. This is what I've always believed. This is what my mama believed. This is what I was taught. I and that becomes a real hindrance if it's not Right. 
If my ways, if my opinion, what I've always known, I've always thought, what I've embraced, what I've identified with is not right. Listen, we're all wrong about stuff. Everybody understand this? None of us can say, I'm right about everything. I have perfect knowledge, clear sight and understanding about everything. And if we will acknowledge that, then we start asking questions. Okay, is what I believe about God, about me, about salvation, about all these things, is that accurate? And I want to pursue righteousness, not pursue me. Not just feel good about myself and feel good about my beliefs. I want to make sure they're in line with what God has said. And if I want that, I'll get it. This is an, it's such a powerful truth. I, I didn't plan to go this route at all, but I'll just throw this in as a side note. So many times people wonder about those who haven't heard as much as we have, haven't been exposed to the gospel as much or at all as we have. And there's something about the way God created people that if they will pursue righteousness, they'll get it. They will get it. So, well, where will they get it? I don't know, but I, I know that God will make sure they get it. If someone with zero knowledge says, Lord, I need knowledge. I want you, but I don't know how to find you. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, but I want you. If their heart is sincere in seeking after God, there's no chance on planet Earth that he is not going to get the information to them in some way. He will arrange it. It's those who have no pursuit of righteousness. Those who don't really want it. They don't seek after God. And they have no desire. They just want to embrace their own life. I'm good. They're the ones who don't get the information. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so I'm ready to adapt. And if I find out that outside of Christ, there are none righteous. We read that last week from Romans 3. Then my focus should be on him. If I find out that in me is no good thing, then my focus should be on him who does all things well. My focus should be uh, him and his work that enab enables righteousness to work in me. Praise God. And so it is possible then to seek righteousness in the wrong way. Here's what I want to show you, something from Romans chapter 10. Could you turn there with me? Just a short left turn from where you were. Romans chapter 10. And, and notice in verse 1, Romans 10, 1. Brethren, everybody got it? Say amen if you have it. Amen. Say oh me if you don't. All right. Odds are in my favor. <laughs> Romans 10, 1. Brethren, my heart's desire, this is Paul writing to these folks, uh, in prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. I mean, you know, you can have zeal, but have bad information. He said, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Quite a powerful statement, but it is possible for a person to seek after being right with God and not get it. 
I want to be right with God. But they're not right with God. They're not arriving at that. We must seek, and this is where the heart's attitude is so very important, we must seek the right way. Okay? Let's be real practical with, with spiritual things just like we are in the natural world. You know, if you're, if you're building something, you got tools, and this is a, you know, an eighth inch, and you need a three quarters, or, or, you, or that's a big difference, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you need a quarter inch, you know, a wrench or something like that. How many know the wrong tool is just, this is not working. I can't get a hold of this, you know, bolt here. Uh, I, I, I need the right to, just like we, we view natural things very practically, this, work, this one works, this one doesn't work. We won't argue, but I'm more of a, you know, an eighth inch person. And I don't care if you say it's a quarter inch. My family, they always have used eighth inch. And so this is the one I'm going to use. We would say, you're an idiot. Why are you, why are you, why do you have pride in that size of a wrench? (laughs) Cast it away and just use what works. Okay. There there is some truth to to thinking spiritually this way. Because God will tell you to use the right wrench. Everybody with me? And so what does that mean? His righteousness instead of ours. We want to do things his way. So practically speaking, even in church, it's possible to pray wrong. It's possible to believe something wrong. Oh, no, all beliefs are equal. All prayers are the same. As long as you pray to God. See, that's an ignorant person speaking. That's a person who hasn't read God's word. They've just come up with this theory that everything's the same. It's like in the world, people say, well, you know, all religions, they really worship the same God. Well, what God is that? Self-righteousness? Okay. But it's like, we'll make, in other words, it doesn't matter which wrench you use, because they're all the same, as long as your heart is right. You can can have a right heart and still not get the job done. This is not criticism. This is not putting someone down or saying, we're just saying, you should use the right tool here. When it comes to God, he is who he is. He's not who we say he is. He's not whatever we imagine him to be. He is who he is. A smart person will say, okay, Lord, show me who you are. Teach me. I need to know so I can make a connection here. The connection is what's important. Not the fact that, you know, I did it my way. I think it's Burger King that does that, right? Or that used to be their slogan some years ago. Uh, amen. You can be sincere spiritually and still be sincerely wrong. Or wrongchous. Right? Not righteous, but wrongchous. God loves wrongchous people. Jesus died for people who are wrong. He died for me because I was wrong. Right? This is not a condemnation for people who have wrong thoughts. I'm still daily renewing my mind to think like the Lord does. I'm just saying humility does that. You're just saying your church is better than all the others. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying God is right. Who's right? Man, we got all these churches and all these different beliefs. How do you know which one is right? They're all wrong. Say yours too? Yep. 
except for the degree that we agree with, with the Lord. Amen. To that degree, we can be righteous. Amen. I'm just saying it's not a pride issue. It's, it's not a, you have to be a part of my group. No, I have to be a part of his, his program. Let's get with his program, not with our own. Everybody with me? I don't care what building someone goes to, or what their name is. We talked about that. Even the word Christian can be abused. I mean, I'm not against the word Christian. I like it. I'm a Christian, you know. But I'm saying just because you have that name or use that name doesn't mean anything. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make Christians. Am I messing with people's beliefs now? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that wasn't his language. That was just one word applied to people later. In the book of Acts, Jesus, and then the book of Acts, they referred to people as disciples. Then later the word Christian came. But even Paul in his writings, he never used that word. He just referred to people as being in Christ. So which one's right? Well, they're all fine. They're all good. It matters what, what's under the hood. It doesn't matter what's on the label. It matters what's in the can. And there are many good labels. There could be some bad labels, don't get me wrong, but there are many things that would be accurately descriptive of a person who's been made in union with, with the Lord. I'm for any, any of them that's accurate or describes. I'm just saying any of the labels. <laughs> Did you guys let me preach? <laughs> any of the labels uh, can be uh, just a label and not really something real. That's what we're trying to do in this message is look under the hood. Yeah, yeah you've got a nice, shiny new paint job. Good for you. But it's got a sewing machine in there for the engine. That's going to be a problem if you have a hill to climb. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so, uh, again, we can be sincere and sincerely wrong, but we get righteous, according to these verses, by believing. We get to the righteousness that we seek by believing. We don't get to it by doing right. We, uh, see, this is one of the great stumbling blocks that people deal with. Why don't you say this out loud with me? Say, my righteousness won't save me. God's will. Yeah, see, there's the righteousness of us. There's the righteousness of God. We have to seek the right right. When we put our mind and goal on the right right, then we can achieve the righteousness of God instead of the righteousness of, of ourselves and do things according to his knowledge. If you would, you're there in Romans 10. Just look at the previous chapter. And, and at the end, this is really right before what we read, uh, Romans 9, verse 30. I'm just reading it out of order, improving on Paul's letter. I'm kidding. You're messing with the Bible. No, I'm just reading it out of order. Uh, Romans 9.30. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of, what's that word? Faith. Of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. This is knowledge and lack of knowledge. One, does, one seeks it by faith, one does not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the uh, they didn't seek it by faith, but by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. What's the stumbling stone? That's Jesus. 
as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, that whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So this is what reveals that Jesus is where people trip. Jesus is the hiccup. You can see that by looking at society. Looking When people come to Jesus, it's where they stumble. That's why if we can get that right, we're laughing. If you can get it right with Jesus, then you can really be wrong about a whole bunch of things in life, and, and, and it's not going to affect the main element of being right with God. You know what I'm talking about? You can sing wrong. You can go to church the wrong way, whatever that is. I'm just, I'm just saying you can miss it in a lot of areas, but if you get it right with Jesus, you've got the main thing down. This is how we seek according to his knowledge, okay? And so people say, well, how is it that people trip over Jesus? Well, he's explaining the Jews and the, their adherence to the law. In, in short, I would say it this way. People want to have a hand in their salvation. They want to have some, some part of it. They want to say, well, I did. Well, I did. I didn't do, and I did. Therefore, I'm good. Therefore, I'm righteous. That's why they trip over, the, over Jesus and the gospel message being so amazingly simple that we say, Jesus did it for you, just believe that. Just trust in him and you'll be made right with God. Oh no, it can't be that easy. Trip. The Jews say, no, but you have to keep the law of Moses. Trip. And the gospel is, no, Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses. Put your trust in him and that's how God saves you. It's amazing how the tripping point is because it's too easy, not because it's too hard. It, the hard part is that it's easy for us. The reason, say, I thought it was hard to get saved. Well, it's hard to get over yourself. It's hard for us to say, I get no credit at all. Zero boasting by, my, by, my, by me. He gets all the credit. I don't get a pat on the back. I just get to be thankful, period. And religion does not like that. The human flesh does not like that. We think, no, I have to. This is what I, I have to do. Amen. The, the language comes in sometimes people will say, you can't just say a prayer and go to heaven. I just can't accept that. <laughs> well, I would agree on this level. You can't just flippantly out of your head repeat a prayer like a parrot would, you know, copy someone in saying something. That's not salvation. But when a person from their heart believes on the Lord, they turn from their, their life and turn to him and put their trust in him. And on the outside, it looks like a simple prayer. It has something under the hood. But on the outside, it's a simple prayer. And we say, that, that's not enough. That is absolutely enough. And if you try to add anything to it, you've just bolted from God's plan of salvation. Everybody with me? Okay. This is why it's so simple. Jesus did say this in Matthew 7. 13 and 14, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. 
because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So why is it difficult to be saved? Again, it's difficult getting over ourselves. Absolute release, absolute no confidence in the flesh, zero confidence in my own self-worth and righteousness and my full confidence, full trust that Jesus did it all. And for, for some reason, so many people have trouble giving that up. And if you say, well, I'm glad we don't. Well, th- uh, theologically, yes. That's where we are. Practically speaking, it's real easy for Christians, even after they're born again, to slip back into the mentality that I'm not good enough. Even after salvation, even after receiving eternal life, we begin to view ourselves in light of our performance or lack thereof and and judge our acceptance and rightness with God based on it. Well, how you doing? Well, not very good. I've had a, you know, I've done some things this week and they don't judge themselves in light of who God says they are. They judge themselves in light of what they know they've come short in. If anyone wrestles with this wise while I'm saying it, you're the one I'm talking to. If anyone is saying, oh, here he goes, he's going to make sin okay, you're the one I'm talking to. Because this, this is how we want to have our hand in salvation. How we want to have our part in being right with God. Everybody okay? People fight this. They fight against the... How can you say that you're righteous? We are all sinners. And just because someone has heard it a thousand times, they embrace that over God's word. If you're getting bugged at all by this, good, good, good. This is God's divine appointment for you to stop trusting yourself and put your confidence in him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We read, man, I got to finish. I don't want to leave you hanging too much, but we read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, the last three weeks. Verse 21 of that same passage, he goes on to say, for he made him, him as Jesus, who knew no sin. In other words, he was sinless, spotless, free. He never broke any laws. He was 100% righteous. To be sin for us, he became what we were. He became despised, rejected, a sinful being, not because he did it, but because we did it. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. And right there, it's, not, it's, it's pretty simple, it's pretty plain, it's written in black and white that we may, may become the righteousness of God in him. So if I become in him, God's new description of me is righteous. Not I, that I may become the righteousness of God in him if I do everything right from this point forward. He is not referencing what we do. What we do was put on him. We're the reason Jesus was made sin. But when we embrace what he did, then we become what he was, and that is right with God. 
And right with God is not in flux from day to day. It is not. Say, what if you sin? You don't lose it. No, I didn't say sin didn't have any consequences, didn't have any, uh, cause any problems. It's not acceptable. It's not something we want or enjoy or something we should do. None of that's true. I'm just saying it is not something that is in flux. Well, I need to repent. Well, maybe you do, but not from a position of being wrong with God. You're, because you're right with God, that's the whole reason you say, I need to change. I've been doing some things wrong. I've been, you need to make some adjustments. Why? Because you're right with God. It's not who you are any longer. And anything that we say about ourselves that differs from what God said about us in Christ is pride. Well, I just think I'm still just a really bad person and I need Jesus every day. Stop. Stop. Say what God says about you. Why would we say that? Well, because I've done wrong things and I'm just acknowledging that. Stop with that mentality. We're not saying wrong things are right. They're not right. Quit it. Right? But we're saying we can't in our own pride override God's word. And we say, he says, you're the righteousness of God. And I say, I'm a dirty rascal. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, I'm just an old sinner. Our challenge and what we trip over, this is tripping over Jesus again, that stumbling stone, that rock of offense, when we, we want to constantly judge ourselves by our performance instead of saying Jesus was enough. His sacrifice was sufficient. Now I'm in Christ. I am who he has made me to be. Yes, I've got, I need to walk that out, but my salvation and my standing with God is not in flux from day to day based on how successful I was walking it out that day. That's so good. Amen. Uh, some of you may notice that uh, if you've been here over the years, I don't give an, a, 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 an, an altar call for rededication. Anybody ever notice that? I don't mean that I'm 100% opposed to it. I'm not saying there isn't value in people rededicating their life to the Lord. Uh, it's just many times people, they just need the truth instead of instead of saying, you need to answer another call, another call, another call. You need to do it again, do it again, do it again. What that does is sometimes build in their consciousness this idea that, that, that they're away from God. And I know practically sometimes people are, but spiritually we remain the same. In other words, if, if this is true, if I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I can't improve on that. In other words, if I prayed a lot this week, I went to all the services. I went to, I served on the dream team. You know, I gave of my tithes and gave a double tithe. You know, I, I did this, I did that. You're no more righteous than you were before you did that. I'm not saying those weren't good practices. I'm not saying there's no value in that. I do all that stuff. I'm saying I'm no more righteous because of it. And if we, if we go, to, go before God when we have a need or go to him in faith and prayer and, and we're thinking, yep, I've been having a good week. I've been having a good week. Now's a good time to pray. What is our faith in? It's in us. It's in our goodness. I was good enough. No, you've never been good enough. 
That's why Jesus came and died. We have all come short of God's glory. So get it out of your own court and say, Jesus has been good enough for me today. Then if you had some problems, you did some things wrong, it's not okay that you did them wrong, but you're still going to the Lord and you're making requests of him not based on your, your most excellent holiness. You're still going in the name of Jesus. Saying Jesus died for me and I am, I am in Christ. I've been declared by you to be your righteousness, so I qualify for the blessing. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? I hope I've said this well enough. Let me give you one more verse, and, uh, and then we'll, 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 we'll come back. Uh, Romans eleven six. it reads this way. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace, but it is of works. Oh, excuse me, but if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. <laughs> Might have to read that a couple times. Let me read it again for you. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. <laughs> Let me just say it this way. You can't mix the two. My acceptance, my righteousness, my standing with God, my salvation is just independent of work. It's independent of anything I do. Now, you could say, well, faith without works is dead. Of course it is. The faith that we have in him is the kind that produces action. But the action can exist outside of faith. So I must separate that from my believing. I'm right with God and then live from that position going forward. Praise God. It, it takes real faith to accept what God says about you and me in Christ. And if you're really right with God, you just are. It can't be improved upon. Maybe I could say it this way. You, you have, if you're saved, if you're in Christ, you have never been, nor will you ever be more right with God than you are today. Hallelujah. <laughs> That should be shouting ground for us. Praise God. Say, well, I got some things to clean up. I don't doubt you do. <laughs> what should I do? Clean them up. But not as a starting point. Starting point says, thank you, Lord. I am a new creation. Old things are passed away. Man, that's those things I've been struggling with. That's not even who I am anymore. I am just like Jesus on the inside right and holy and pure and powerful. Amen. God's life abides in me now, not after I do better. I got eternal life when I repented and gave my life to Jesus. Praise God. And that's a constant, not in flux from day to day. Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in here, working mightily in our midst today. You are a good, good God. Most faithful Father, thank you for what you've given us. It takes faith from us to believe in your goodness.